G'day, FOMO faithful. It's your boy Isaiah Colbert, and I'm back with another episode of the Fear of Missing Out podcast, a show where we talk to superfans about popular or niche things and ask them what they like about them and where you, the newcomer, can get started. This week, I'm joined by Patrick Foley as we roll for initiative as we talk about tabletop role-playing games. Hello, hello. Would you care to introduce yourself, lovely guest? Uh, Hi, my name is Patrick Foley. I'm a musical theater student here at Columbia, and I'm going to talk about tabletop role-playing games. Yeah, so um, I know that I've uh, attempted it before myself, and it's always kind of difficult depending on what type of role-playing game you're kind of get trying to get into. Um, whether it's like um, I, um, there's like different editions and things like that. Sometimes it it, it sort of mind melds my brain to try to sort of think about things, especially when it comes to numbers. So, uh, for the uninitiated, what are tabletop role-playing games? Um, tabletop role-playing games are kind of like they're they're a lot like i would say rpg video games uh except without the computer that does all the math and the storytelling for you um so you kind of have like all this raw information and numbers that you have from the player's book and you put that together on your character sheets to make a cohesive character that functions um or sometimes doesn't not knowing the rules is part of the game. That's okay. Um, and then you kind of, your dungeon master or your game master or your keeper or whatever will put your characters in situations and um, a big part of the game is role-playing. So, you know, you act how you think your character would act in these situations and you react and stuff. Um, uh, usually there are around like three to five people, I would say. Sometimes I've, I've, I've played with like eight, eight people and that's a little too much. Uh, so I think three players and one game master is usually like the, the best configuration of it. Um, and the game master is the person who either guides you through like a pre-prepared story that you get. Um, you can get them from like the player's book on Wizards of the Coast or whatever game you're playing. Um, or they write like their own original story that they will have you guys interact with and go through. Um, and I think something that's one of my favorite things about tabletop role-playing games is that they're, like, long-form improv, but kind of with systems involved to facilitate actions and storytelling. Um, like, um, uh, so, basically, whenever you want your character to do something, you have to pretty much roll uh, a dice. Depending on what game you're playing, it could be a bunch of different things. But usually it's a d20, which is like a dodecahedron. I don't know what it's called. A very many-sided die. Um, and the number that you get, you either 
do the thing or you don't do the thing. Sometimes there's like levels. Um, I think in base Dungeons and Dragons, it's either there's a difficulty content for whatever you're doing. And the DM picks a number, and if you hit that number, you're good. You tie your shoes or whatever. Um, and if you don't hit that number, then you don't. But I think something that I like to do is I put ranges in. Uh, so it's like, I'm going to tie my shoes. Like, oh, if you get a 15 to a 20, you tie them really well. If you get like a 10 to a 5, you tie half of it or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you would tie half your shoes, but whatever. (laughs) We've all been there. (laughs) Um, we've all been there. We've all been on the half loop. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that you mentioned was a character sheet. And I know that, um, for me, at least for uh, my experience with it, sometimes these things get kind of dense. So um, can you sort of uh, explain yes. uh, what's uh, sort of found on a character sheet and like how the numbers kind of matter there? So on character sheets, there is, there's like your name, your six core stats, which um, uh, I'm probably just going to describe a Dungeons and Dragons one. Uh, okay. A lot of other character sheets can get a lot wilder. Um, there's your six core stats, which would be Strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. Um, and those those stats give you an indication of how well your character can do things in those fields. Um, like if you have a lot of charisma, you can lie to people really well. If you have a lot of strength, you can run really fast and stuff like that. Um, uh, also on there is your alignment, which is a big meme these days. Uh like the alignment charts and stuff. Um, so you probably have some idea of what those are. Hmm. Um, there is height, eye color, hair color, stuff like that. A lot of it's a kind of extraneous, um, but some of it does matter. There's like a spot for your backstory. Depending on who you're playing with, you might not even really need to have a backstory. Um, if... If you're filling out a character sheet and you're not sure if you need something, I would just, like, ask your game master or whatever, mm-hmm. and they'll give you a good idea of what you need to do. Okay. Um, yeah, like, hit, hit points, kind of everything you would find in, like, a video game character screen in there, pretty much. Okay. And so uh, you mentioned... Um like your uh, kind of D- uh, dungeon master or like DM or like a game master. So um, I know that uh, you said that that person's kind of like the um, sort of guiding hand for like uh, the stories that happen there. Um, I want to ask you because uh, I know that you are pretty much the expert on this and I've, I'm sure that you've played a lot of it and um, have been both uh, the player side of it and the DM side of it. So um, what work mm-hmm. sort of goes into the uh, dungeon master side of things when it comes to organizing everything? Uh, the work that you put into your campaigns is it's very personal it's like it's very case by case i write about the world that happened before these people enter it and then i put them in a place and i say what do you want what do you guys want to do you know um some people give like and i've done this too i I like to experiment a lot you can kind of guide them through a quest you can give them, like, an open world to explore. Um, I think the m- most amount of work that goes into it is probably if you're not using, like, a, a pre-generated world, which which is something you can do. You can set your campaigns in, like, the world of Warhammer or if you want to use, like, the Dragon Age world or something. Um, and 
I think the most amount of work for me is conceiving of a world where these adventures are going to take place and like rationalizing all the things that are special about this world and the characters that live in it and how they interact with each other and how they will interact with the characters once they enter it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, are there ever any moments, because I know that uh, sometimes things never really go as planned, are there ever any moments where you (laughs) sort of have to like free ball it and just say like, well, I didn't really plan on that boss being so easily defeated or, oh no, the whole party got wiped? Like, are there ever like moments where you sort of have to like freestyle what uh, your sort of storytelling happens as a DM? There are... Most of what I do is freestyling. I have Mm -hmm. improv training, and I love improv, uh, so this isn't really indicative of, like, every game master out there, but my favorite thing is just making things up. Um, And, I mean, it's something that you have to be at least a little good at, you know? Because your players are going to do something that you're not ready for because you can't control them. They're just... They're real people interacting with this fictional world um and it's not a video game you can't put up invisible walls to stop them Mm. you can try but sometimes it's weird uh to do that you can be like oh well if you leave here then you're gonna take damage but sometimes people will just run straight through it you know like they don't care they're gonna Mm. get through that wall that's what they want to do um and it, it, yeah, it's something you're going to run into. Like, I was recently playing a game where our entire party got killed. And it's, you have to sit down and have an actual conversation with your players and be like, so everyone died. How, what do we want to do now? You know, and you kind of like get a consensus. Do people want to keep going? Do they want to like make new characters or do they want to just start a whole world over, you know? Hmm. And so another thing I wanted to ask you, um, I know that we've kind of uh, front-loaded this episode a little bit just by explaining what uh, D&D is, <laughs> and I feel like that's super necessary because this is a kind of a dense subject to kind of sort of talk to it is. or talk about. So um, I wanted to sort of loop back a little bit, um, and I want to ask you, uh, what sort of put you onto D&D? Like, uh, what was your sort of introduction to it? Um, when I was in high school, I actually, I'm kind of weird. When I was in high school, my big brother... And his friends were like, hey, do you want to play a game with us? And I was like, yeah, I love video games. What you got? And then they handed me a piece of paper, and I was like, well, this isn't video games. Uh, And I had to learn the rules to it. Uh, And I I really liked it. Uh, I don't think I was very good at it when I was 14, but I really liked it. Um, And then I started playing with my friends a little bit. And after, I think, my sophomore year, I just stopped cold turkey. I think, like, the friends I played with graduated or something, and I just, I stopped. Um... But then, when I was in college, when I was in community college, uh, I met some people who were like, hey, do you want to play Dungeons & Dragons with us? And I was like, yeah, that actually sounds like really fun. I haven't played Dungeons & Dragons in five years. It was, and uh, I got back into it. I started playing, I started being a player, and then after a little bit, I was like, man, whenever I'm a player, I think about what I could have done as you know, I'm like I'm so comparative in my life. I'm mm. like, man, they did this thing as a GM, and instantly every time I'm like, I would have done this. I would have done this, and it would have been cooler because <laughs> mm. I'm awful. Uh, and I was like, well, why don't I? Why don't I just do that? So I started being a GM a little bit more. 
Okay. And I know that um, something that's uh, sort of common and I think like is a bit of a meme when it comes to people who play D&D is that um, oftentimes whenever they are uh, making their own characters like OCs for D&D, uh, <laughs> sometimes those characters sort of like uh, leech off of the uh, personalities uh, from the players themselves. So I wanted to ask you, um, and when you uh, sort of come up with a character, how much of it do you uh, sort of like um, make it a, uh, yourself that's within the character and how much of it is just you sort of just acting as you're role playing for the game? I, it's, yeah, it's a very easy thing to do when you're starting out and you're making a character to be like, I want this character to be really cool, you know? I want this character to be really great and cool, and when you think of cool, like, at least a couple of the personality traits are going to be your own, and, like, a couple of the things you like about yourself, um, and it kind of, it usually, on your first try, it evolves into basically you but with magic powers, you know, <laughs> kind of like your Mary Sue character or whatever. Um, I think I, I definitely did that like a couple times. And But the more you play the game, the more you realize that a character who's good at everything isn't super interesting in these games because then things just kind of happen and nothing can stop you. Um, but when your character fails and the DM has to make up a fail state, um, the fact that there's a fail state in Dungeons and Dragons is very interesting to me, because in a lot of video games, the fail state is like your character dies, and you lose, and that's it. You respawn, you know. But in Dungeons and Dragons, you make a mistake and you get imprisoned by the goblins or whatever. You have to deal with that. Um, uh, I just think that characters who aren't good at everything are a lot more interesting than ones who are. And I think recently, I've whenever I make characters, I'm trying to make them a lot less like myself, like consciously, um, so that I can... Uh, uh, a lot of what I like about Dungeons & Dragons is that it's kind of an acting exercise. Um, as a musical theater major, it's a big draw for me. Uh, and trying to play different kinds of characters is very interesting to me. Hmm. And so one other thing I want to ask, because I know that uh, for some people who want to get into D&D, uh, the one sort of looming question or like looming worry is the um, like time sink that goes into uh, how long uh, sort of sessions <laughs> or campaigns can go. I know from a personal experience, uh, there was a time where I had a session over with my friends back when Zoom wasn't the thing, but Skype was. And we had to deal right. with, the, you know, the qualities that go with Skype calls <laughs> and doing terrible. like an online version of. Yeah. And doing an online version of D&D. And sometimes those sessions can go for like four or five hours. And by that time, I'm kind of spit and I'm just like, <laughs> I'm not really role playing anymore. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're just kind of talking at that point. So yeah. um, when it comes to uh, D&D, when it comes to the time sink, uh, how uh, how long are um, would you say is kind of like a good session so that people aren't kind of burnt out with playing? And like what kind of um, sort of like time frame would you kind of like uh, set for yourself in your own campaigns? Um. I, when I play with people in person, it it goes longer than when I do it online. When I have, mm. like, a Zoom meeting with my friends to record um, our show, whatever, our podcast, or, or D&D podcast or whatever, um, that goes for, like, an hour because we all get Zoom fatigue very quickly. Um, and we're all like, hey, we need to stop right now because I'm about to fall over in my closet where I record or whatever, you know? Um, and... When I do it in person, I think it's the energy comes a lot more naturally. So it doesn't take as much out of you. Um, 
and you can go for longer. I think usually I do three hours. <laughs> three hours. I usually do three hours um, when I do it in person, and I think one hour for online. But there are going to be times when your friends, your party, they just can't get together. Like, scheduling conflicts happen all the time, and that's okay. <laughs> okay. And so uh, one other thing that I wanted to ask you, um, since we're talking about um, just sort of like the uh, sort of bare bones about D&D, I wanted to sort of get into a little bit more of the personal. So I wanted to ask you, uh, what's your uh, sort of like favorite moment that's ever happened uh, during a campaign for you in D&D? I know that um, at least um, for me, the one time that I uh, managed to, uh, my friends actually managed to get me to play. um, There was one moment where um, my uh, friends, some spell thing happened and there was like a body switching that happened between characters. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it did. It, it went on for a little bit longer than I was kind of like patient for it because it was by that like we're at like four hour kind of <laughs> mark and like my level to enjoyment and play timers kind of like leaning towards the other way a little bit. Yeah. But it was very funny to sort of see um, my friends try to act like how my friends would act portraying this character for a bit. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to ask you, um, what was uh, what's like your kind of like highlight, like favorite D and D moment that you've ever kind of experienced. Um, so pretty recently I was doing like a dungeon, you know, a Dungeons and Dragons game and our DM gave us a couple of magical items at the beginning. Um, and one of them was a deck of many things, which is a deck of cards and you can pull a card once every hour to make some wild, stupid, crazy magical effect happen. And like some of them are good, and some of them are catastrophically bad. Um, and my friend had the deck, and he was like, "Oh, well, if I draw the right card, I'll get enough experience from this fight to level up, and that's that'll be cool for me." Uh, and he drew the card, and then he vanished. Or no, he didn't vanish. I'm sorry. His soul left his body. His soul left his body oh. and was contained. <laughs> yeah, that's entirely different. Yeah, that's not even close. Um, his soul left his body and was contained somewhere that we didn't know. Um, and when I found his soulless body, I just I just took the deck of cards. Because why wouldn't I? <laughs> I took the deck of cards, and I started drawing a card every hour. Um, and only one bad thing happened to me, and it wasn't even immediate. It was that a demon spawned and would roam the land searching for me until it killed me. Um, But in the meantime, I leveled up twice. I got a pair of wings, and and I got to cast, like, one of the best spells in the game. And um, every time I drew a card, my friend got so, so mad at me because that was supposed to be his deck, but he just, mm. he just wasn't there anymore. Yeah, you had to like you had to roll that monkey's paw and min max your stats. It was it was for the good of the party. It was for everyone, not just me. <laughs> and so, uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you uh, is because I know that D and D or like uh, the aspect of uh, tabletop RPGs has gotten really popular, especially with uh, sort of the likes of uh, the voice actors over at Critical Role um, who are mm-hmm. sort of doing uh, many many campaigns and live streaming it on Twitch. And uh, I wanted to ask you. Um, what is this kind of like it's not really a resurgence mostly it's uh kind of just more of a popularity or a more permeation of D. so i wanted to ask you uh what is this uh sort of period with this kind of popularity with D? um how does um what does that mean to for you 
I, I think it was kind of inevitable with how with how fast nerd culture was rising, like around 2015, you know, uh, that a show would capture the magic necessary to make it like appeal to a wider audience. Um, and Critical Role, you know, does that with the help of Vin Diesel or I don't I don't watch Critical Role. I watch The Adventure Zone. Um <laughs> Vin Diesel or whoever they have on there every once in a while. And Matt Mercer, you know, he's a prolific anime voice actor. Um, mm. uh, what was the question? <laughs> oh, I was going to ask, uh, what is this sort of resurgence? Uh, what does it mean for you? Or like, oh, okay. uh, how does it sort of resonate <laughs> with you? <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, uh, for me, it means that I tried to start a podcast. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if it's working yet, but whatever. Um and it also means that there's a lot more kind of information out there. There's a lot more people making content for Dungeons and Dragons and stuff, uh, like out on the internet for free. Um, like there's a Dungeons and Dragons wiki where people can just put anything on there and they'll make like classes and stories and characters. I'm sorry, I just burped. That was gross. Um, and you can just look at it all, and you can use it to enhance your stories, your characters, your classes, and stuff. Um, and I think that's probably the biggest impact that it's had on me. Uh, yeah, it's very cool that everyone likes it now. Uh, but I still hmm. don't tell a lot of people about it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I follow you, I follow you. And so um, I know that uh, a lot of this, uh, even especially with this podcast, a lot of it is still a little intimidating to get into because I know like for me and and for instance, if I see anything that's like a lot of pages, a lot of information to take in, I just, my brain just turn off whenever that confrontation happens. I just, I take freeze, I guess, when it comes to fight or flight, when it comes to that. Yeah. So uh, what are some tips and tricks or pieces of advice that you would have for people who want to get into uh, tabletop RPGs? Um, I think... A very big thing, you know, for your fight or flight, I choose freeze thing, um, is just look at what you need. Just look at your character sheet and find what you need and then get out. Because if you if you sit there and read the player's guide for too long, you'll go insane. There's too much. Um, you just got to be like, I want to be this class. I want to be this person. I want these stats. I want these abilities. And then you get out. You get out and you start playing your game before anyone can be like, oh, but what about this? You're like, I don't care. <laughs> that's that's not for me right now. I'll do it later. Um, okay. And, yeah, if if you really get into, like, the deep things about Dungeons & Dragons, like, if you start trying to build your character in a way that will optimize them, it takes so long to get to, like, your end goal because... The maximum character level is 20, um, and then there's, like, multi-classing and stuff, and there's so much that goes into that, and it's never necessary. Like, it's so unlikely that your characters will get to that point um, that you just can't, you can't concern yourself with it until you're there, I think, and then, then you can start diving in when, when it's a little more manageable, you know? 
All right. Well, I would say that has been a lovely end to a lovely podcast. I know that you mentioned earlier that uh, you started your own uh, D&D campaign. So this is going to be the part where I allow you to plug yourself, let the good people know where they can sort of get into contact with you, continue the conversation about tabletop RPGs, and maybe check out your uh, D&D campaign. Oh, yes. Uh, thank you. Absolutely. Um, me, uh, Patrick Foley, that's my name, and... Uh, you might, I don't know, if you're listening, you might know Summer, Summer Hoagland Abernathy. Um, and two of our friends, we have started a role-playing podcast called ADHD RPG, because us and all of our friends have ADHD and we can't focus ever. Um, and it is on, uh, we, we're playing, we're not playing Dungeons and Dragons right now, we're playing Monster of the Week, which is an RPG system that is based on like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Supernatural and the X-Files. Um, and it's set in like a world where it's always raining. It's very cool, kind of chill, lo-fi vibes sometimes. There are monsters, uh, fun characters. Um, you know, I um so much on this podcast that I know what my waveform looks like. It's <laughs> really awful for me. Uh <laughs> Uh, you can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and we have a website, adhdrpg.wordpress.com, where you can send us mail if you want, or if you don't want to go there and you want to send us mail, you can email us at adhdrpgpod at, e- at gmail.com. Uh, I think that's everything. Thank you so much. All right. Yeah, no problem. Well, that has been another Phil Quelled and another rolling Nat 20 on uh, Curiosity Satiated. All right, so let's see you guys in the next one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.